Um, I want to start off with something that maybe you have heard before, and this is going to be what we unpack today. Have you ever heard the expression, Christians shouldn't judge others? Right? Have you ever, have you ever heard that? Uh, judging others is the stance that people take where we decide or you decide if someone else is wrong. Right? You decide if they're morally wrong, intellectually wrong, or let's be honest, just flat out Facebook, social media wrong. Right? And it's a common thought for you and me to take this position of we shouldn't judge others. And, and we get this thought from a very reliable source. We get this thought from the scriptures. Right? I mean, I mean this is from Matthew, from the Gospel of Matthew says, do not judge or you too will be judged, right? Do not judge or you too will be judged. Or, or Paul, when he was writing to the Romans, said this. He said, therefore, you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on one another, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same things. And so it seems pretty clear, doesn't it? If Jesus said it and Paul said it, and they both are saying, do not judge, Jesus was talking to the nation of Israel, Paul was talking uh, to, to this new church in Rome that was comprised of Jewish people and, and Gentile people, it seems pretty clear. So let's just go grab lunch and head over to the park, shall we? But the problem is... Those aren't all the scriptures about judging and judging others. As a matter of fact, it gets kind of complicated because we see verses like this. This is Paul, the same guy that wrote to Romans, writes to the Corinthians. And he says, for what have I to do with judging outsiders? It is, is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. Now notice this sounds like, all right, we should have everybody, we should divide. That's what we should do. This is great. But notice this sounds like a do not judge verse at first, right? That we don't judge those outside the church. But then Paul talks about those inside the church. And quite honestly, it gets very judgy to purge the evil person. Put that on a picket sign and stand outside and see what happens. Right? Or how about this one? Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many pro false prophets have gone out into the world. And so test the spirits is, is, is John's way of saying you have the ability to judge the person that's teaching the word of God to you, the person that's speaking prophetically to you. That is, that is the job of those in the church is to test those spirits to see whether they are true or not. And so John's putting his readers in this place of being able to judge those who teach. Now that sounds like judgment to me. Or how about this one? Matthew 18. So Jesus was teaching about how to deal with conflict in the church. And he says, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. And if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, then let him be to you as a Gentile and tax collector." So what Jesus was teaching in Matthew is, is that you can judge when someone sins against you. 
As a matter of fact, the book that we're studying right now, James, is full of judgment, right? Because he's telling this church what to do and what not to do. He's telling them to get rid of all moral filth as we've been going through James, which is a judgment call that they haven't, that there's moral filth in and among them. He said, he said, he said to, to do what God's word says, which is this judgment call on them that they're not doing what God's word says. He's telling them to watch what they say, that their tongue, remember that sermon? Anybody got beat upside the head with that one? Right? Like that's a judgment call that James is making. To stop showing favoritism because that's what they were doing. To stop. Last week we, we saw James say, stop fighting with each other because that's what they were doing. And so really here's our question for today is, is how do we know when to judge? How do we know when to exercise this this, this ability in us to discern right from wrong, and not only for ourselves, but for the person sitting next to us. You see, it's an important question because when someone says Christians don't judge, how do we respond? Do we say yes? Do we say no? Do we say, well, it depends? Another way to think about it is this way, is the judgment of another biblical or unbiblical? Is it biblical or unbiblical? Because you see, what we're going to do today is I hope help answer this question for us. Because today we're in this middle of this series called Wholehearted where we're going through the book of James. And we're going to use this passage in James as a springboard to see what, what the whole of Scripture says about this, 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 this question, can we judge? Is judgment biblical or is it unbiblical? And we're going to see what our Bible says about when we can judge others or if we can't. And so turn with me to James chapter 4. We're going to be in covering a whole two verses in James today, verses 11 and 12. Um, uh, and it's on page 852 if you need a Bible. There's one in front of you. That's the Bible that it's on page 852. I have no idea what page number it is in your own Bible. Uh, but it's in James chapter 4. You can also uh, download the Bible app, and we're under events and under Fellowship Asheville. And y'all, I'm going to give you a little warning right up front. This is that section of James where he is not holding back any punches to the church that he's writing to. And fortunately or unfortunately, depending on how you look at it for us, it doesn't hold back any punches either. And so what we're going to talk about today isn't just this idea of judgment. What we're going to talk about today is gossip as well. Because that's what unbiblical judgment looks like, is it looks like gossip. Now, as we keep in mind, as we've been going through James, James has been hitting specific issues in the church that he's writing to, actually as a group of churches that he was writing to. And what he's telling them time and time again is that there's issues that not only divide the church, but they divide the hearts of the people in that church. And we've been talking about how those same issues divide our hearts and our time. It's not just a them problem, it's an us problem, which is why we're calling this series Wholehearted, because that's James's intention in writing this book, is that we all have this wholehearted faith where our hearts aren't divided. And what we're going to see today is this issue of judging others and doing it right and doing it wrong is what causes, or actually is what spawned from an undivided, I mean from a divided heart. So let's look today and see what this wholehearted faith looks like, when we can judge and when we can't. Chapter 4, verse 11 says this. So he's saying, Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. 
Now, last week, what he did, what James did, is, is he identified two groups of people that were, that were fighting against each other. Those that were in the church for kind of selfish ambitions and those that were in the church for more holy ambitions. And they were at war with one another. And what he's doing here is he's kind of taking it another level and, and, and showing us what they were doing. Like they weren't like, like taking out swords and fighting each other. They were using words as their weapons. And when he says, do not speak evil against each other, in, in, in the Greek, because this part of the Bible, original language was in Greek, those terms mean something very specific. And it means that they weren't, uh, that, they were, that they were calling each other names, that they were speaking untruths about each other. That's what these words mean, that this was a war of words between these factions. And I'm sure... If you've been around the church world for a while, you might have experienced this in your church life, of people doing that, of, 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 of factions in the church using words as a weapon against each other. And the words that they use maybe aren't like full-out name-calling, but maybe they are half-truths, the part of the truth that always makes their side look good. You know, nobody ever shares that other half of the truth, Right? That's why it's called a half-truth. You share the half that makes you look good. I was, I, as I was doing research for this, I ran across this story of a church uh, that was this incredible picture of what this looks like. And it was a true story. And I'm sure, as I tell this story, some of you have experienced something like this. But this church had a, a pastor, and he was a new pastor. He'd only been there for a couple of years. And when this pastor made decisions, there was a certain family in the church that didn't like all those decisions. And we'll call them the power family, right? Because there are some churches where you have the leadership that's in place, but then you have the families that really hold the power of the church, right? I'm not going to ask if anybody has seen a church like that, but, but they exist. This power family, they don't like the decisions this pastor is making. There's a disagreement. The pastor's going a direction that they don't like. Maybe the pastor said something that they don't like, but there's something going on where this family does not like what the pastor is doing. They've tried the avenues that normally work, like talking to him, but he's not budging. They've tried talking to the leadership of the church, they're not budging. Maybe this is what God wants to do. They're not convinced. So what do they do? They, y'all, this is a true story. Not here. Don't look around. They make up lies about the pastor and start casually bringing them up in conversation. They start telling people to pray for the pastor because of this, this, and this that are completely made up. What happens is that those rumors do what rumors do, and they spread like wildfire. The pastor finds out about the rumors. By then, it's too late. The damage is done. He resigns and moves on. That is what James is talking about. And he's telling this church that he's writing to, this group of churches that he's writing to, y'all, stop it. 
stop speaking evil against each other. And notice he does something here that I think changes the tone of this. I think it is the gospel in James pouring out over this situation. Because if you look at the beginning of verse 11, it says, Do not speak evil against one another. What does the word after that say? Brothers. Some of you might have brothers and sisters because it's the same word. It's this family word that means the church. And what I love about this, James isn't just saying, y'all stop doing this. He's saying, listen, we've got to stop doing this. We're a family, and we've got to stop doing this. And see, this is important because, because I love James's heart here because, you know, he's not saying y'all, he's saying let's. He's not saying it's your problem, he's saying it's our problem. And this is actually the first indicator that something is gossip or something is biblical judgment because biblical judgment always starts with a we, not a you. You see, gossip starts with a you, doesn't it? You're doing this. He's doing this. Biblical judgment starts with this attitude of we are in this together. And I'm going to tell you something that you're doing that I think is against Scripture, I think is sinful, or something that I think is going to lead you down a wrong path. But biblical judgment says, I am not just going to drop this bomb on you and go, I am in the midst of this with you. And together, we are going to work on this. You see, this is what biblical judgment does. It says we. Now, I'll explain more about it in a minute. But remember, when someone exercises biblical judgment, there is this tone and this attitude of we are in this together. It's not you versus us. It's just us. Well, look at what else James has to say. He says, the one who speaks evil against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. Now, James right now is going to say, okay, if you're going to choose unbiblical judgment, I'm going to turn the volume up on this and just let you see what it is that you're actually doing. I want you to see the heart behind what you're doing. And James is showing us this power dynamic here of unbiblical judgment, that the person that talks about another that they're not just judging the person. What James is saying is that they're actually standing in judgment against God's law. Why? Now, for the sake of clarity, I mentioned this in the beginning, but let's go ahead and call on judgment, unbiblical judgment, what it is. That unbiblical judgment is the word gossip, right? And when someone gossips, they are standing against the word of God. Why? Because they're speaking evil and they're, they're lying about the person. They're calling that person names behind their backs. This is what gossip is. And if that's what gossip is, this is what James says gossip does. Gossip demeans the word of God. Because it goes against what God's word said. Because says, because when we gossip, notice what I did there, we. When we gossip, we go against what the Old Testament says and we go against Uh, What Jesus said, because they both said the exact same thing. In Leviticus 19.18, there is a command to love your neighbor. Jesus, when he was teaching, he told his followers, love your neighbor. And when we gossip, we aren't loving. When we gossip, we're saying that this little half-truth 
that we say, this little bold-faced lie that we say, this little tidbit of juicy information, this concern, this, this disagreement that I have, this is more important than what Jesus said to do, which is to love my neighbor. Because you see, the loving thing to do is to talk to the person. The unloving thing to do is to talk about the person. And what James is pointing out is that gossip talks about a person and biblical judgment talks to a person. That is what love is. Love is talking to a person. And y'all, I want to encourage this congregation because I have thousands of examples of you talking to people that you have issues with to every one of you not. And so as your pastor, I want to say, as much as a congregation can get this right, I believe we are getting this right. But I think it's important to to talk about what's going in in our hearts when you get it wrong, because I don't know about you, but sometimes I still get it wrong. And this is what James is going to do. Well, let's look at what else gossip does, because y'all, it is a big deal. It's not bad enough that gossip demeans the word of God by not loving your neighbor. Look at what James says happens when we gossip, when we use unbiblical judgment. In the rest of verse 11, he says, But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, of, you are not a doer of the law but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge. Who do you think he's talking about there? God. And he's saying when you practice unbiblical judgment, when you gossip, you are not just demeaning the word of God, you are taking the place of God in your life and in that person's life. Like y'all, if you write in your Bible, you might want to put, oh snap, by that. Because that is a big deal about what gossip is. See, gossip takes the place of God. The person who chooses to gossip not only believes that they are above the word of God, but they are in place of God. Now here's what happened. Gossip never feels this way, does it? It doesn't feel like I'm not acting out the word of God. It feels like I'm acting in the word of God. It doesn't feel like I'm taking the place of God. It feels like I'm helping God along, doing doing what needs to be done, right? That's why James is highlighting what unbiblical judgment looks like and feels like because in our own hearts, with our divided heart, it doesn't feel that way. You see, the gossip thinks that they know more than God knows. And they, they think that, that, they need, uh, that what needs to happen is what they think needs to happen. And I say they, I could say we, right? When we gossip, we take the place of God. When we gossip, we act like we know what God needs better than he does. And y'all, this isn't a big deal like the gossip story that I told earlier about the pastor that resigned. It's a big deal because these whispers bounce around in our heads about what makes gossip right. Now, I'm going to read some things, and I'm not going to look at anybody. All right? Just so you know, I'm not, if it applies, it applies. And I'm not going to look at you when I do it. But have you ever maybe thought this? 
God's going too slow. He needs some help. If I tell the right people, I can move things along. God's going too fast. This change needs to slow down. If I share my concerns with people, surely with enough of us, the leaders will slow down. These leaders don't really know what's going on in the congregation. If they did, they would do what I want them to do. It's not just what I want to do. I've been talking to people, and there's lots of us who want this. So, not looking at anybody, all right? But you see, this is where playing the role of God becomes so dangerous. And where it divides, because here's what I've seen gossip do. I've seen gossip divide families. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but anybody have a family that's been divided over gossip? About talking about a person instead of talking to a person? Have you ever seen friends separate over gossip, over talking about each other instead of talking to each other? Because I tell you, I've seen churches divide over gossip, over silly gossip. And this is why it's dangerous. Because God, because gossip doesn't bring about this God-ordained, God-good change. And it's why James says this. Look at verse 12. Um, the rest of verse 12. So verse 12 says, There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. You see, this is the heart of gossip. Maybe I'm being optimistic here, but I am an optimistic person, so bear with me. Um, and I love how pessimists just call it realism. That's cute. Um, right? Because that's what you do. That's what I hear all the time. It's so fun. But, but, but my optimistic heart says gossips want change, right? Like, like that's why they do what they do. There, there's a genuine level of concern there. But the way they're going about it, the way we go about it when we gossip is all wrong. But, 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 but the, the biblical judgment and unbiblical judgment have the same goal in mind, and they both want to bring about change. But what we have to understand is that the power behind each one is vastly different. James has been very clear to talk about what the power behind division is, what the power behind favoritism is, what the power behind someone who can't control their tongue is. And he calls it demonic and unspiritual and earthly. Biblical judgment isn't that. Biblical judgment is good and holy and right. And James is saying, let's choose one and not the other. Because this unbiblical judgment isn't based on the one who can really save and the one who can really destroy what is, what is evil. You see, one works with God, one works against God. And James's point is if you really want to see deep and lasting change, then work with God, not against him. It may not be the way you want it or how you want it or even when you want it, but if the change is from God, guess what? It'll last. Now, 
ultimate change comes from su- submitting to and understanding the gospel. Right? Like that's the deepest level of heart change that anybody in this room or anybody listening to this podcast can experience is submitting to God's plan of salvation, which is very simple. It is that God is holy and you are not. And if you want a relationship with God, Jesus is the only way to get it. And if you haven't submitted to that simple truth, maybe today is the day you can do that by simply saying yes to Jesus. Yes to to his death and burial and resurrection pain for the power and penalty of sin in your life. And when you do that, you have this this life-changing, deep, heart-based relationship with God. Many of us in this room have already done this. And James is reminding us, the church, there is one person who can save and destroy. And it's not us. It is God. And just like he is the only one that could change your heart, he's the only one that can change their heart, whoever they are. And for us, when we try and be a God, it doesn't work. We cause more trouble than change. When we gossip, we do more harm than good, which is why James leaves us with this in verse 12. He says, but who are you to judge your neighbor? And so we're back to our question from the beginning. Do we judge? Do we judge our neighbor? And James's point is very simple. Listen, if you want to sit above the word of God and you want to act like a God, then please don't. Because that's not going to do any good. If, however, you choose biblical judgment... Here is what it looks like. And this is where we're going to zoom out and and look at some other scriptures too because because I think it's important that, that we know as a church that yes, we can exercise judgment. If I see sin in your life or if you see sin in my life, we have a conversation. That's what we do. But there are ways to have that conversation rightly. And the first one is this, that biblical judgment takes an accurate self inventory. Right? That's why, why James uses the word brothers and sisters. We're in this together. Jesus, when he was talking about, about judgment, he said, Why do you see a speck in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? Right? Biblical judgment takes an accurate self-inventory and realizes, All right, I know what their issues are, but if they knew my issues, there's no way they would listen to me no matter how kind and good and charitable I am. Like an accurate self-inventory, biblical judgment, biblical judgment knows that we all sin and we are all deserving of judgment. But in God's grace and mercy, he has put us together. So that we can encourage one another and spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And when there's an accurate self-inventory, what this breeds is compassion for the person that you're talking to, not condemnation. It breeds love and tenderness for them. Biblical judgment also takes care with God's word. 
Biblical judgment uh, is this idea that First Second uh, Timothy three sixteen says that all Scripture is God breathed, meaning that literally it went from the soul and heart of God out to the people that were writing it. And what we see is what God intended us to see in His Bible. That all Scripture is God breathed, and Paul is writing Timothy to say it's useful for teaching. That's why we teach God's Word. It's useful for rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. That's what God's word is used for. And biblical judgment takes care with God's word. Biblical judgment knows the difference between feeling and fact. Between hearsay and evidence. Between between biblical accuracy and these rumored impressions. You see, when this happens, when somebody bases their judgment on the word of God, knowing that they've already done this self-inventory, what this breeds is this patient confidence and knowing that God will use his word to affect change, not our words. And I'll tell you, as a preacher, I take great confidence in this. Because I trust that it's not my words that will change anybody's heart, but it's God's word that will change somebody's heart. And it's the Spirit of God moving in and through this room to, to give encouragement where people need encouragement and conviction where people need conviction. And all of that is based on us looking at God's word together. You see, biblical judgment takes care with God's word. Biblical judgment also shows this holy restraint and patience. Galatians 6.1 says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves or you may be tempted. You see, gently, not with harshness. You see, gentleness is what's needed. Because when that is there, it shows this trust in God. That he really is the one that's able to save and destroy. And finally, and I think this is the most basic one, and y'all as a church, this is the one where it all goes right or it all goes wrong. The other ones stem from this, but biblical judgment speaks to the person. Biblical judgment speaks to the person. Y'all, I'm going to be honest, I hate gossip. I hate it. It's the fastest path to dividing friends, families, churches, like I said, and yet... I struggle knowing when biblical judgment moves into gossip. Now, if you have met with you for counseling, I keep all that confidential, I promise. Not talking about that. But I'm talking about those normal conversations where it starts really with a good intention and it starts really with a good heart. And the reason I know I've gone too far is because after the conversation, I kind of have this sicky feeling in my stomach and my soul. Anybody have that after a conversation where you have to go back and go, yeah, I think I did too much. I think I said too much. Please forgive me. You see, sometimes I fail in this. 
And sometimes I, I cross the line from biblical judgment into gossip, and, and I try to bring it back. That's why this part of the sermon, I think, means so much to me. Because remember, a gossip talks about a person. Biblical judgment speaks to the person. Matthew 18, one of those verses that I read at the beginning, has the way to do this. That is the guidebook for how to have a conversation like that. And the first part of it is that you go to the person in private and talk about what's going on. And if there's no acknowledgement of your own sin, or, or you know, like, like then you can get somebody else involved. Then you can talk to some other people that have seen that same sin pattern in that person's life, and y'all can go sit down with them together and have that conversation. But here's what I've seen this go tragically wrong, is when you get those first two steps reversed. And before you go to the person and talk to them, you talk to other people about them first. You know, to make sure what you're seeing is true. You know, to make sure you have the words to say. Matthew says, no, 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 that's, that's wrong. You go to them first, even if you don't have the exact words, even if you don't know exactly what to say. Because if you have done this accurate self-inventory, you go into that conversation with humility and patience and trust and this biblical confidence in God's word where you can go, listen, this is a hard conversation and I'm probably going to make a fool out of myself talking to you right now and I'm going to stumble over my words and I don't know that this is going to be clear, but I love you, and I've seen something that concerns me. I've seen something that scares me in your life. Let's talk. That's how those conversations start. That's the difference between gossip and biblical judgment. You see, church, when we go to other people before the person it's sinful. There's no other word for it. It's sinful. And we must stop. We must go to the person first. And y'all, when we do these simple but biblical things of going to the person first, this is where change can happen. See, gossip talks about a person, biblical judgment talks to a person. And if we want to see change in that person's life, we talk to them. So let me ask you, church, are you seeing an area in someone's life that needs biblical judgment? If so, what are the 10 areas in your life that need biblical judgment as well? Let's start there. Aren't you glad I didn't say 100? I could have. Start there. To breathe humility and then go to that person. Don't talk to other people about that person. Just go to that person. All right? And then if there is no repentance, if there is no confession, if there is no acknowledgement of that sin, which means that person looks at you and says, you are wrong. I don't know what you're talking about. You are wrong. That's an unconfessed, unrepentant heart. If they say, let me think about that. Let me pray about that. Give them time to do that. Go to the person. Don't talk about the person. Because church, if we do this, which like I said, 
I mean, so many more times, yes, we get this right than we get this wrong. When we continue to do this, what we will see in this church is this transformative power that only the gospel can do. And we will look at somebody's life and we will be, Jesus did that. Not me, not them, Jesus did that. And what that makes a church do is worship. Because they see God as the one who can save and the one who can destroy. And what this city around us sees is a group of people that are loving and caring and truthful. Because the world doesn't put those two things together. Those three things together. If you're a grandma person, I did loving and caring, comma, truthful. So that's how that works. That's the two things. Let's be that church. Let's talk to each other before we talk about each other, and we will see transformation in and around us. So let's choose biblical judgment over gossip. Are y'all with me? Let's pray. Jesus, um, you know our hearts. And Father, I know a lot of the people in this room, and I know that they want to honor you and they want to glorify you. And Father, as you, um, as you well know, we are still humans, and we make mistakes and we sin. And so I thank you for your gospel that we have complete forgiveness, and that if we do it wrong today, we can make it right tomorrow, because your mercies are new every day. And God, I pray for us as a congregation that we will not put ourselves above you or above your word, but we will submit. And in submitting, there will be beauty. In Christ's name we pray, amen.